This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined by my uh, co-host, Afif, who's currently fanboying over a brain dance junkie in a car park. Oh, uh, yeah. <sighs> we didn't plan this bit. I wasn't ready for this bit. <laughs> you nev- no one's ever ready for this bit. Um, yeah, BDs. It's, it's the nerves that you would have more about seeing this celebrity of the BD culture. Give me all the BDs. Yeah. I want a, I want like a professional eSport BD where I've, I'm like good at video games. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. Just, just switch to that, um, that fine motor function that the, that the BDs can give you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I could just put it on a stream and just like pretend I'm playing the game, but it's not the same. Right. No, it's, it's not, not the same. It's really not. I feel that that's really what it is, isn't it? That's a BD is just like watching a video stream, but yeah, inside your brain. But it's yeah, it's like more intense, right? And there's a world of possibilities, but it's we only see the kinky stuff. Yeah, we do. I, God, it's always the kinky stuff. Yeah, I think in in Shadowrun it's called Sim Sense, as in simulated sense. And it's like I feel yep. there's so many cyberpunk properties that have searched for different words to mean this same thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, like, from the Black Mirror approach, surely it's just, you know, it starts off, it's just, like, the simple things, right? It's like, oh, it's like, oh, he's a dad that loves me, he's, like, giving me a hug, and, you know, yeah. it's not, <laughs> it's not, like, these big, crazy things, yeah, or it's just, like, a memory of your dog that's no yeah. longer with you. It's it's the, um, it's the prestidigitation from, from D&D, where you just change the flavor of the food you're eating. So it feels like you're eating something tasty when it's really just, like, processed soybean. Prestidigitation is such a fucking spell. Oh, my God. It really is. Everyone forgets about it. I did have a character who created uh, prestidigitation and then stored it in bottles of water, uh, and he called it angry water. (laughs) So he basically made a soda stream. Yeah, I was about to say, isn't that just like carbonated water, like tonic? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. He's like, he painted it and everything. It was great. Oh, no. So before we get into this episode, uh, we do have a question from a listener. Um, if you have a Ooh. question as well, you can send it through to dndntvpod at gmail.com. Uh, and you can ask a question just like this one, which I think this one was actually addressed to you, Afif. Um, it says, how do you feel about Baz Luhrmann's stage adaptation of Moulin Rouge? Do you agree with the modernization of parts that are now no longer matched the original masterpiece slash movie? Now, I assume it's going to be adapted to you because I haven't actually seen the stage adaptation of Moulin Rouge. I missed out on it. So I'm going to... Uh, it's crazy. You know, I just haven't either. So we should just move on, I reckon. Like... <laughs> Baz Luhrmann is intense, right? He's an intense director. It's true. Um, it's watching his stuff gives me a headache so i'm not surprised that they've changed stuff for the live i don't think you can jump cut and do the extreme zooms on a stage yeah you cannot be as frenetic as the film is 
I was just listening to another podcast today where they asked, what is something that you really hated when you first saw it and like it now, the more you've watched it? And someone said Moulin Rouge. I mean, do they, is it just like Stockholm Syndrome though? Like, it's... I don't think so. I think when you first see it, it's this weird, like postmodern pastiche and everything's like, it's like overstimulation. And then once you get to like actually understand it and start to take it apart, you realize how great it is. Okay. I think, I mean, I think there are a lot of directors that they get let loose a little bit too, well, not too much, but they're in danger if they get let loose, right? Like Zack Snyder, when he just becomes, he's very self-indulgent with all the- true. Sucker Punch is the best example of that. Yeah. All the slow motion and just the, um, Guy Ritchie, was it Guy Ritchie that did that King Arthur film? Like that one was just, that was wild. That movie was just, yeah. I haven't seen it. Had, had David Beckham in it for some reason. Did it? I thought it had Jason Statham. No, it had him as like some executioner, and they like put some scars on his face to try and hide up the fact <sighs> that he was so beautiful, but like it didn't work. Right. Sure. Okay. Great. <laughs> nah. But yeah, he was just he was let loose, and it was like it's too much, right? That's a bit. Much, and that's yeah. what Baz Luhrmann feels like to me. I haven't seen Australia, but I'm assuming that's what he did in that as well. I would guess so. Yeah. So, on, on that thought, let's go to episode uh, four of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Not episode four, episode five of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. All eyes on me. In this episode, David makes a clever suggestion when the team strategizes for their next mission. However, he soon learns their target can't be underestimated. I'm hating these synopsises, by the way. Is this from Netflix? <laughs> this is directly Netflix. from Netflix. Yeah. They are the worst. They They're are really, awful. Yeah. It tells you the plot of the episode, but it's just... It's so banal and doesn't really sum up what happens. Like, this opens with him staring at Pilar's hands. Like, the, <laughs> the hands yeah. Pilar just got before his head was, like, hollowed out. It's like, that's... Yep. That's what I was expecting when I heard that synopsis. Yeah, it's... <sighs> yep. It's it's a weird one. Um, it's like a it's like a cold open, I guess. That's what they're going for. Uh, I don't think it really landed. If I'm being honest, no. I think this is really one that you need to be have um, binging on, where it goes like yeah. you've gone directly from basically Lucy and David hooking up, and now it's just gone straight into the next episode. And you're like, yeah, but someone just died, and we need to kind of have to deal with that, or like at least here's the fallout from that. Yep. Sorry, I just choked on my teeth. <laughs> Sorry. You choked on your what teeth? T- yeah, my tea. What a time. Oh, your tea. Okay, cool. That's better. Oh, uh, my, my cyber tea. Your cyber uh, tea. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, that's how it opens. And he there's a bit of banter between Main and Pilar. And he's like, I don't really want those hands. I don't, they talk about, do you want to take it off like a, a dead body or something? He's like, no, no, no. I've got my arm to something else. And he means like, my hands? What? My hands? It's like, fine. You know what? If I die, you get my hands. It's like, this is so fucking weird. It's like, yeah, yeah. if I die, you can have my car. Sort of stuff. Give them a whirl. Nah, out of my price range. Becca gave the nod. They're all yours. No strings. Still, I think I'm good. Mm. Shit, man, make up your mind. You eat better than I when you collect my Sandy. What? Won't scavenge off a body you knew. They're techie mitts anyways. Oh, now you're just being picky. 
Got my heart set on something else. Out with it then. Wait, meaning mine? <laughs> A little big for you, ain't they? It's nothing I can't handle. All right then, I flatline, they're all yours. Gives you time to bulk up, grow into them. <laughs> okay, fine, hold you to it then. And it is very much like a like specking into a skill tree, and it's like, no, I can't, I can't take these ones because it'll like I'll go down that path. I'll just be stuck in that skill tree. I won't be able to get the other hands that I want. Yeah. Which is interesting. You'd think you could just swap hands for different hands, right? Like, well, you can. Isn't that but the whole I think point? It's is about the hands that Pyla had were a lot more finesse, whereas the hands that Main have, you've really got to have that muscle and that bulk to even lift them so it's kind right. of like if you want those hands you're gonna have to put in some work right but could you not just switch in the future like couldn't he bulk up yeah but then the, he'd look the weird, skinny hands he? yeah it would look weird <laughs> it's like got these massive guns and then these tiny little hands um so, yeah well it's interesting Yep, and we don't. Yeah, that's, they don't talk about the hands after that. Actually, no, they don't. They, we just, they go like think, they disappear for a little while. Yeah, we'll just assume. Well, the next two episodes are kind of back to back, anyway. I do feel like yeah, they're linked together very much. So, yeah. uh, anyway, but Maine does also notice that David's like different. He's not like jumping around. He's not being all edgy like we was before. He's like something's different. So oh, you got laid. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so dumb. In Night City, wow. Yeah. It's great, uh, but then it jumps into uh, the that's plot, very anime. Honestly. That's the that's it's a so super anime. anime. That's an anime, yeah. Getting all flustered as well. Honestly, I feel so far the show has been very well. The show is always very anime, but it's been very shonen anime. That yeah, he's just like this teenage kid who's kind of into some bad stuff, but they're still all like a family and messing around and things. So they're going to make fun of him because he's not a virgin anymore. And it's this episode and then the next one where things kind of take that twist. And stop being that the goofy level of it. Yeah. Um, also, I just realised the episode title is "Eyes with a Z." Is that right? That's correct. Is there is that is there something to that, or is that? I don't know. Honestly, I don't understand any of these these titles. <laughs> yeah, I assume uh, that they're, they're connected to some sort of uh, music. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Actually, well, uh, it's probably from before my time. So, well, I well, yeah, Girl <laughs> on Fire is before your time. Yeah, that's the next one. Sure, smooth criminal. Well, it's been fun putting the um the. All right, how about we actually explain? Yes, all right, we'll start talking yeah. about the actual. <laughs> well, because because that synopsis didn't cover shit. So no, it it, it gets more. <laughs> so um, after that, they get into like the actual meat of the episode, and basically, they're going to grab the guy who makes the brain dance uh, videos that, that David used to watch and used to sell to people because Tanaka, their target has like a custom edit that he has to put in because he's like really into the weird shit. Yeah. I don't know what the custom edit means, but it's just, yeah. I'm guessing he like hypes up certain levels of the, the simulate, the like stimulation. Okay. Right, like I mean, yeah, that makes like you sense. You feel yeah. better, or yeah, like you really feel certain. Like if you really it. like sour foods, then it would yeah. be like yeah, up the sour taste. Yeah, yeah it's just like a, a compilation of all the sour time things that the they ate. Anyway, sure. 
Uh, so they go to grab that guy, which doesn't go so well. Um, uh, basically, David gets snatched instead. Uh, and Dorio and Lucy have to go get him back. Which, yeah, another heist gone wrong. Another heist gone wrong. It's always great. Uh, and David has a bit of a like a weird dream sequence. Uh, and it seems like this this brain dance dude is very into watching David go cyber psycho. Uh, and eventually they they capture him and use him as the bait for Tanaka. Uh, and when they grab Tanaka, oops, there's a bit of a fight and the brain dance dude gets killed. Yeah. Who I love, by the way. He's, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah he's probably Kurosa- one of my favorite characters. Is it yeah. J- Kurosaki? Uh, I've just been calling him JK. JK Simmons? Okay. Yeah. Where's no, Spider-Man? Cool. Nope, that's Batman. <laughs> and that's kind, of, that's kind of it. It's like, the target are not be underestimated. Like, that's... That's got nothing to do with the plot. Yeah, that's so incredibly vague. That's like a like a sixth grader like churning out a report on the last like a book report like the day before it's due yeah yeah i feel like they're trying not to spoil anything it's like you don't have to anyway uh so yeah there's some good elements in this i really liked a lot of this this i I liked a lot of this as well yeah i like the callbacks to the original like the openings and stuff yeah um, and it's cause it's like, oh, it's such a tight series. Like everything just connects to everything else. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. And you really start to see, um, where the series is going to be going. Like everything really does start to tie in with these two. I mean, it's the two middle episodes. You want them to be kind of have an idea where everything's going to go from here. Yeah. Like really hitting its stride. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's just good, which, um, it's also, the action just flowed particularly well for me. Yeah, the pacing was really nice. Yeah. Like, there was the moment when they had the... Um, when they're starting that heist, and you can see it just kind of... Every, everything's going slow, and, like, it's got the long shots, and you can see Kurosaki moving, but it doesn't feel like he's actually getting any closer or further away. It's just that up-and-down bobbing that they do in anime. Yeah. And it's just, like, very liminal movement... And then once it actually kicks off, everything goes so fast. So yeah, just very well directed, I think. Yeah, and that's... I don't think... Have we talked much about like the soundtrack? Because that plays such a big part in it, I feel. Yeah. We should. Um, I mean, obviously it does for any kind of movie or, or TV series, but especially just scene setting and beyond that. They have that... There's like that one like really chill bop as well that they always play... I can't remember remember how it goes, but it's just like that hip-hoppy, like, you know, during the the light-hearted downtime moments, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's always some some good background music for it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I like... Yeah, we're we're warming up. I feel like we're warming warming up up on this one. um, (laughs) Because there's a lot to talk about, I feel. There's a lot. The, the heist element is good. I like the way that it's very simple. It's like, David's going to distract him and Maine's going to grab him. It's like, that's pretty easy. Yeah, and that's a then, good framework. And it's like a good plan. And then he opened, like, Kurosaki opens up like this third eye in the back of his head. Oh, 
so good. It's it. so cool. And then he like uses this EMP to take take them out. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, this is going to work so well for for um, a role playing game because you give like basically the game master in this sense where it's like, no, it's not going to be that easy for them. He can fucking see you doing it. And they're like, how? Well, he's got an eye in the back. He's literally got an eye in the back of his head because tech. And it's like, you can't argue with that. I think later on you see he has like multiple eyes yeah. sticking out of his head as well, which is so excessive. And it's like, well, why wouldn't he? <laughs> like, well, I mean, why would, you, why would you have three eyes out of like your hair? Yeah, it's just so, it's so, well, I'm wondering, is it in the back of his head or can you just make eyes appear anywhere? Oh, that'd be interesting and kind of yeah. gross. Yeah, super gross. And then the EMP as well. It's like all these interesting little tactics, like design, because we've seen what Maine can do. Like he's yeah, fucking, he's a monster. So this idea that you could have a little EMP pulse that can just take out anyone with cyberware. So this is, um, the, dis- this is the dispel magic of um Yeah, of it's like that... This episode has two with both JK and a little bit with Tanaka as well. They yeah. have that thing. I love that trope of like somebody who doesn't seem like they'd be good in a fight, but like is actually really dangerous. You know, yeah. Because uh, JK just looks like a maps. like a fancy dude. Yeah, and I love his design as well with the the gold nose and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, there's a big recurring thing about eyes in this series. Um, yeah. And he's got like cool design eyes as well. He's no Faraday eyes, but they're pretty good. Yeah. Oh, no, no. No one compares to Faraday. Yeah. I'm wondering if the um, that whole feel that... I'm, I'm thinking again about RPGs, because this is the podcast we do that on, that that look of, this is someone who looks like they're not a huge threat, but will actually be a challenge to everyone, is just, this yeah. is their stat block. This is what makes them makes them a capable enemy for the party. Yeah, and the EMP, I don't think we ever see something like that again, do we? We see a couple of things, like, um, I think Lucy's able to hack people and, like, get rid of their guns, and I think Kiwi does it a couple of times as well, but not to that extent of just fucking everyone. Yeah, it is like that, like, oh shit moment, um, which I had like that in my campaign the other week, just mm-hmm. casting, like, Finger of Death on one of my players, which he hmm. managed to counterspell, unfortunately for me. Um, but it was that moment of like, oh, like now we're we're facing guys who can do ninth level spells. Like, oh yeah. shit, yeah. Even though and nothing this... effectively happened, we were kind of talking about this last week when we were talking about the um, the lethality of the random encounters. That anything in the world can be a threat. Like you don't if you you it's only an adventure if it's exciting and there's a possibility of failure. So by creating yeah. these, even your little target who has this one trick or one or two tricks, depending on where he is, but he makes it more of an adventure and makes it always, yeah. always makes yeah, it a yeah. challenge. Absolutely. And I think that's like, that's a problem I've always had with certain open world games mm. is because there's usually a big uh, like progression system in them of some sort. Um, but that means, you know, some areas will be, inherently easier or difficult or more difficult depending on what stage of the game you're at yeah um but in like a tabletop game like you can just the gm can just scale that throughout the game like depending on wherever you go just always so yeah i certainly like to do that as a 
I'll have adventures where it doesn't matter what they're doing. The the boss fight will always be tough. And yep. the the random encounters will always be a certain level of it. Because I want the, the party to experience it. And I just kind of pick the stat blocks. Um, I was looking at one just recently and it's like, well, you've got to go to this place. I'm like, well, what's something that would be challenging for them, but not murderously so? And also kind of cool for the environment. It's like, cool, two bullets. And yeah. if they were at lower levels, it'd be two ogres. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Just finding that, that right thing. And in this case, it's like, well, maybe if they had more people, there would have been a bigger action sequence. Right. We do see... Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, like, the crew members that we do and don't see sometimes yeah. at certain points. Yeah. Um, this one was, like, just... Who was in this one? Just David. Uh, it's it was just, just Oreo, like... David, Maine, Kiwi, and Lucy. And... Uh, yeah, Kiwi was there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, which makes sense because, like, Pilar's dead. Uh, Rebecca's yeah. probably in mourning. Sure, we'll give her that. And Falco hasn't been introduced yet, so... <laughs> Falco is such a dark horse in this series. He really is. <laughs> what is so he briefly be- there in the, in the start, and then just, yeah. Yeah, he's in one episode in the first five, and then he's in all five of the last last five, but he only speaks in four of them. Just like, <laughs> That's all they the could f- afford. That's all they could afford from Matthew Mercer. That's true. So let's keep going. I want to talk about after they kidnap, after um, Kurosaki kidnaps David, he has this like brain dance dream where he kind of starts to relive the, the death of the guy with the Sandy. Was it the Sandy guy or was it someone else? It was kind of a mix of the Sandy guy and a bunch of other people. Because I think that's what Kurosaki does. He kind of takes these bits and pieces from everybody and makes something new out of it. Right, right. He's an editor. Yeah. Because uh, there's the bit where it's like... Uh, like the things they're saying, like the cops are saying, are exactly what we saw um, yeah. in, the, in the first episode. And certainly with the yeah. tag team coming down and everything, it's it's exactly the same. But there's other elements when when David's like shooting cops and stuff, it's like, well, where's he getting that from? Because that's not what happened the other way. I do like as well, kind of earlier in the episode that David had a moment to shine in terms of his like street knowledge. Yeah. And knowing, knowing about JK. Yeah. Which is a good, like, that's a good lesson as well to take into your games where even if your character isn't, or if you've got a character in your party that isn't like the smartest or likely to know something, you can still have them have very like specific knowledge about this one thing and give them that moment to shine in that respect, you know? It's a good one for if the characters are at a dead end for their goal, which in this case is grabbing Tanaka, they can make a role based on something they're good at. And it might just be, well, I've got street smarts. And it's like, great, I'm going to give this information about the street smarts and you know this because of reasons. Yeah, like play to the strengths of the character like oh this guy he doesn't know much about anything but he knows about brain dancers so yeah just make the next plot hook or like where the next clue is tied to brain dancers and then hey he's got a he's got an important part to play now yeah i think that's a really good one there's a game i'm reading at the moment um or reading about at the moment called i hunt and it's talking about how in the first session like even before well just after a session zero 
you have a little bit of an encounter where everybody's top skill comes into play. Just okay, so yeah. as people that's, are starting to learn yeah. the system, it's like, this is, this is what you're good at. And you'll be some good at some other things as well, but you get to use the thing you're good at. Yeah, I really like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. I think that's a really good example here as well. It's like, we know he's good at the Sandy, but that's kind of something that's been put onto him. The fact that he knows yeah. about the brain dancing is very much about um, his knowledge. That's something that he's learned. Yeah, and it's one of those things that you really have to keep checking in on. Like, you have to actively check in on throughout the course of a campaign just to, like, yeah. double-check and make sure. Because it is easy to kind of forget about and to to lose that balance a little bit between characters. Yeah. Particularly as they get higher levels and they're kind of all good at anything, everything, you like you yeah. start to forget who's actually the one with the good perception or who's the one with, that actually does all the talking. Particularly when you have some high charisma, charisma characters but the ones with the low charisma are the ones like who like to RP the most. So yeah. So you end up with someone um, like being the interrogation machine. And you're like, you really should not be the one asking these questions, but you're the one that yeah. wants to do it. But you just kind of forget <laughs> because the roles are so high most of the time that they just like, just do it. Yeah. Um, but that's also a good, you know, lesson or opportunity to sometimes just ignore the rules and ignore the roles and just... yeah. Just go for yeah. the story and the fun. Yeah. Though speaking of story do. and fun, um, this is where I want to talk about David's dream sequence again. Because yes. this is like full-on body horror to me. Um, yeah, these next like, couple of episodes, it really starts ramping up the, the kind of gore and yeah. the brutality. Well, I certainly think like the visceralness of it all. Like he's shooting cops. He's like cutting them apart. He gets his arm, like he's standing there, and you can see the the Max Tac team just shooting away at him as limbs start flying off, and he's just still kind of standing where he was. And the creepiest thing is, he looks down at the wound, and then all these guns pop out of the wound, and like suddenly all of his limbs are guns. It's very. It reminded me a lot of like Akira. Yes, yes, that, very much yeah. Akira. Yeah, and I I was thinking like it's a great. I did like look at his psychosis right now that as he gets more and more cyberware, he becomes more and more of a weapon. It's a metaphor. Yeah, it is a metaphor. It's like a great metaphor because it shows this is what he's worried about becoming. Yeah. Uh, But how would you do these dreams? Like, would you have a dream sequence in an RPG, like in a D and D fantasy game? Would you want to try and do something like this to like delve into a character's psyche? interesting yeah it's weird because it's i have done dream sequences because mm. doing them it feels a bit more scripted i guess is yeah. like my issue with it or the the issue that i think people would face if they wanted to do it um mm. i've also similarly done i've done like flashbacks with characters um which are just little like vignettes kind of uh i, I ask my players like hey you know, what do you want to, like, show off about your character? What do you want to, like, reveal about their backstory? And we'll just do, like, a five-minute scene um, yeah. with just myself and that player just to... And that one's very scripted. That one's kind of like, here's a chance for you to be in the spotlight, basically, just for a little mm. for a little while. And it's a little um, bit like, you know what the outcome's going to be, so you just get to show this off and let everyone else know where you're coming from. Yeah, well, it was like, I think one of my players was his character was returning home to his home village, so we did, like, a flashback to to the village life and stuff, so... It was like this is what he's looking forward to, and but obviously when it gets there, it's not quite the same, and you know ups the stakes in that sense. 
Yeah. Um, but that's that's kind of like the general approach I would take to the dream sequences as well. Um, well, that's one approach you could take, I guess. I mean, that's one. I like that approach. I think that's a better one where you can just have that short little self-contained element of it. When it comes, I've had a couple of dream sequences where it's just like weird combat, like things that shouldn't have happened. And I just play it originally as this is just happening to you. And then as it progresses, things get a little bit stranger. Like they cut into the giant and bubbles pop out and something like that. Yeah. What the hell is going on? Then you realize, oh, it's a dream. And that's when you wake up. I like the weird angle. And I also like something I've noticed I do with those kinds of things is I don't ask for roles. Yeah. Um, It's very like narrative and, you know, they ask like, what do I see? What am I doing? I just like describe exactly like it happens or this happens, like just to keep it flowing. Yeah. I think that's a good way to do dreams, particularly without asking for roles, just kind of have it be weird. Yeah. You don't know if, like, because it also has that element, like I know in dreams sometimes, well, for me anyway, you're punching it, it just does nothing. And it's yes, that, that yes. of impotence. And it's like, you don't need to roll for that. It's like, yeah, you, you make an attack, you just miss. Doesn't yeah. matter what you're going to roll, you're just going to miss him. Yeah, and that's also kind of way of um, a little bit, I don't want to use the word railroading, but it's a way to like <laughs> kind of direct it, direct it a little bit without it also kind of taking away agency. Because they're still deciding like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. But you're just mm. removing the, the dice element, basically. Mm. Um, do you put much stake in dreams in the real world? Dream dreams aren't real. They're not in the real world. Um, I do. I actually think there's a whole bunch I mean, of stuff. I've been watching in Sandman. The dreams are very real. <laughs> no, I think there's a lot of stuff going on in dreams. I have a friend who's a great believer that well, what they say is that um dreams it's not about what you dream about, it's about the emotion you're feeling during the dream. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure that's... if that's accurate, but they say a lot of the time emotion is represented by water and all these other things. And it's, it all made sense when they were telling me. Yeah, it's interesting. I think anything to do with sleep is still, like, just magic to me. Like, sleep doesn't make sense. No. Like, you you just, like, lie still for a while, and it's, like, so important. If you miss sleep, it's, like, so bad. Yeah, if you miss too much sleep, you will die. Like, your body will be shut down. Yeah, and it's, like, why? Like, why? Um, It's it's bizarre. And this is, um... Well, I, I have traditionally had very... I have traditionally had very weird dreams. Yep. through the course of my life. And I can always recount some of them. I'm not going to, because then people look at me funny. Yeah, and you get, like, kicked out of restaurants. and Yeah, you know, and I end up on watch schools. lists. And, yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Um, I I heard a fact, I don't know how true it is, but it just sounded cool, so I've been repeating it. Because that's, yeah. But I heard a fact about dreams that any face you see in a dream is, like, a real face you've seen at some point in your life. Like, oh, your brain can't... Like your brain can't just fabricate faces on its own; it has to pull from reference. Sure. Which I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I thought it just sounded cool. So oh, I was like, it, yeah, that, it could t- be true. That does sound <laughs> really cool. Just be telling people that, yeah. Yeah, I get. I guess I don't know if that's technically true. I feel that our brains are able to imagine a lot more than that, given that we can create faces that we've never seen just when we're awake. No. And if you've no, created it when you're awake, world. if you create it when you're awake, have you then seen it? Oh. If you imagine it when you're awake, have you then seen it? So you're blowing my factoid Boom, out of the water I'm brain here. dancing you right now, man. 
Oh, uh, you've edited my brain to that's, that's right. It's like incepting. Uh, so I'm back on to it. Speaking of, speaking of brain dancing, that's basically what uh, Kurosaki was doing to David. He's been brain dancing and he gets to do his old master evil plan speech about what he's going to do. Um, yeah, and he doesn't seem... Like, how evil does he seem, do you reckon? He's not that evil. I wouldn't rate him that evil, you know? No, he's not that evil. He's a little evil. He's he's, he's like amoral. It's like selfish. Yeah. Yeah. He's totally amoral. Like, he explains, you know, I just get the scrolls, all these these brain dancers, basically because all the military hardware has just got a thing that records it. And I just, I'm just an artist. I'm not the one. Yeah, and there's the people. market for it. You know, he's just meeting yeah. the demand. Yeah. Although the fact that he looks at David and is like, I really want to see you go crazy. I want you to go cyber psycho. So I'm going to keep showing you this until you go crazy. That's a little evil. Yeah, that one, that's kind of evil. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I think he's just doing that for lols. That's his kink. There's another great um, classic anime moment with David. Again, like, uh, he, I wrote down here in my notes, he literally says the quote, I'm built different. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of, funny. why do you think you're different about this? No, I'm different. Yeah. I'm so different. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I like, it's just like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep doing this until you go crazy. It's going to be great fun. Uh, and that's when Lucy and Dorian bust in and yep. get him out. Get and to see I the love, girls. Yeah. The girls kicking ass. And then the drones come out. I love these drones oh, I love the, as an enemy. I love the drones. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love that Lucy's able to hack them. Um, but needs that time. And David gets to do his whole Sandy thing and, and running around and this sequence in particular, I just really enjoyed, particularly when he trips. Because just because he's got the sand, he doesn't mean he's not like he's graceful or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, just that's... that element. The, uh, to me, that's the rolling the one on the athletics check. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of those things as well where you like a lot of like you'd never see. Oh, maybe he has. You've read more comics than me, but like, you, do you ever see like the flash trip up on stuff like just randomly though, or is it like? I think if he stops paying attention. He can trip. Like yep. if he's looking at something else and not paying attention where his feet are landing, then yeah, he can trip. I feel like it, it feels natural in this situation though. It doesn't feel like a, oh, we need to arbitrarily kind of up the stakes. It just feels like something that would happen. He's, yeah. he's rough. Like he's just been pulled out of the BD. You know, he's not firing on all cylinders. Yeah. No, I really liked it just because it also then gave um, Lucy an opportunity. Like it, it raised the stakes again. Yeah, because... and it, but it is like that human element again, right? It's like they've got superpowers, but they're not perfect. They yeah. very much still have these human flaws and, and limitations. Yeah, I, I, and that's the thing, that he is still only human. Yeah. That he's not built different. He can still trip over. He's not a god. He's not the chosen one. Um, and I and like... Then... <laughs> so I did like this as a battle for a role-playing game where it's not about what hit points the enemy has. And yeah. it's not about how much damage you can do. It's about keeping them away from shooting Lucy and taking long enough where she can fix it. Yes. Yeah, survival is an interesting, in- interesting way to design an encounter. Yeah. Like just yeah. buy enough time. And I love that idea of you've just got a couple of them and it's literally like all you're going to be doing hacker character is making roles. And you can not make rolls. You can distract them so you can help your allies. But you make three rolls, fight stops. 
And these things yep. will murder everyone if you don't do it. Yeah. I know... Um, oh, when was it? It was in Dimension 20... I think, I want to say the Unsleeping... Yeah, the Unsleeping City. Yeah. They had, like, an NPC who's trying to, like, perform a ritual. And they do the, uh, like, roll a d20 at the start of the round. Um, yeah. If it's a nat 20, then it's, like, completes. And then each round, the crit range extends, basically. So it's like, okay, oh, the yeah. next round it'll be 19 or 20 and the next round it'll be 18 to 20 like yeah yep so there's still that element of like oh you're not sure exactly when it'll go off but it comes increasingly likely that's a good idea yeah that's cool it's like a yeah. on a clock really but and um, then if you can add in a little couple of things where if you do this that reduces the crit range or if yeah you do or this, even um stops i think there was a time. thing I think there was a thing where it was like if you pumped like spell slots into them, then they would get an extra roll, basically. Yeah. As well. So it's like another way for the the player characters to help out and expend their resources if they don't have. Yeah. If they're not like well suited to just survival and yeah. So you you really gotta like it's resource management when it comes to DVD yeah. most of the time. That, that's that's what every encounter is, you know. Yeah, it's resource management. Uh, so I also liked that. Um, that was pretty much it. Kurosaki just as soon as his drones are disabled, he's like, "Cool, I surrender. I'll cooperate." Yeah, yeah. That's why I like him. He's just a cool dude. Like as soon as he's knows that he's beaten, he's just yep. Yeah. Uh, And I like how I'm done. I want to stay alive. I like how when they hacked the drones, the drones fell to the floor, and then bits of them broke off. Yeah. Previously bulletproof. Like yeah. (laughs) How else do you know that they're broken if bits don't fall apart? Exactly. Yeah. I reckon, I'm guessing Lucy just went inside and just basically the equivalent of reaching in and just ripping out wires. Yeah. It's like the little electronic <laughs> magnets that were keeping it together just went, nah, we're switching off now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they take him back to the hideout um, and David's left to watch him, which of course, they have a, like a, a bit of a talk as well. I think this is when he's like, I'm different. Relive that one too, did you? Yeah. And yet you installed the Sandy anyway. You really are unhinged, aren't you? I'm never gonna end up losing it like he did. Norris was a soldier, lived and breathed cyberware. Even he couldn't take it, not for long. What makes you think you're any different? Dunno, tough to say. It just feels right. Like it's always been a part of me. I'm built different. I just know it. Believe yourself to be special? Why not? Hmm. I've seen plenty of chrome jocks go psycho over the years. Some metal's simply not meant to mix with meat. Your organic body, your soul, gets pushed to the edge, teeters on the brink. And it always ends one of two ways. You either lose yourself forever or die. No in between. That's right. He's like, why Why are you different? He's like, I've always been different. It just feels right now that I've got the Sandy in me. Yeah. And this uh, this is a great one because he does say that, I think he says some metal's not meant to mix with meat. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's right. So much foreshadowing. You can't put metal inside yourself, man. <laughs> you, can, you can't have too much chrome. Oh, it was fun. Um, oh, I also, quit, just quickly going back to the BD... Um, oh, yeah. I love the references to Max Tech. Oh, um, yeah. 
because they are like this. Yeah, they're they're like this kind of boogeyman throughout this series of like you don't really see them that much, but they're like yeah. there. Um, and there's like a brief. Oh, I don't think they mentioned trauma team in this one. They do in the next. No, they episode. do. They do in the next scene or at the end of the next scene. They, yeah. I think one of the things about Max Tac and a little bit trauma team, but not as much, is when the police arrived, they're just wearing hats. They're just wearing these little caps, and you kind of get to see them as individuals. Max Tac, they they could be robots. For, you know, yeah, it's just full on face plates. They all look they're the like same. a like a force of nature, basically. They're like yeah. a yeah environmental effect almost. Like this is the this is the lava of Mount Doom. This is like yeah. at this point, like nothing goes beyond this. This is as far as it goes. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that because it does it establishes them as a threat in the first episode or like the the end all, um, and now it's just kind of that reminder as we're getting closer and closer to it. So they're just appear- appearing again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they have the just the they have that weird like not yeah like you said with the masks and the helmets and the too many you know splinter cell lights on their faces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Uh, so speaking of trauma teams, in this next scene, Tanaka is on his way. He's um, lured into the trap that Kurosaki's been baited with, um, and I like also that he says. Um, he doesn't want it tuned this time because his son is leaving the hospital, so he doesn't have time. I'm like, how long has Katsu been in the hospital, guys? Yeah, also like a weirdly like sensitive father moment as well. Like, yeah, I can't get my like extreme fetish BD because I need to pick up my son. Yeah, <laughs> but like, is that implying that David put him in the hospital when he kicked the shit out of him at the at the school? Well, it's been... I don't, yeah, I don't know how long it's been exactly, I guess. If it has... That's like a couple of weeks, like six weeks tops. Like, yeah. I can't believe he was in the hospital for longer than six weeks. Because he was up and talking and stuff. It's not like he had an organ ripped out or anything. Sure. So, like, how long has David been running with these edge runners? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a, it felt like year, like a year at least. It's like, no, no. It's been like a couple of days. Um, anyway, yeah, and it's it's nice to see like a plan do go well. I say according to plan because obviously JK, um, yeah, JK kind of cops it in one. the end. Well, but he wasn't um, part of the plan anyway. Yeah. yeah, apart from that, it's like everything. It was nice to see them like doing well again, right? To kind of make up for earlier. Yeah, uh, with like the jammer and stuff. It's like you know he's trying to call for help. It's like we already got you covered. You know, yeah, we we already got that. It's like you can't do. Yeah. That. And then I love that. Um, Main's gun jams. That and happened like, to him. It last happened to him episode. earlier. Yeah, it's just yeah. that note of tech is is fallible, just as flesh is fallible. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, and Tanaka recognizes David as he's, he's running past him. Yes. And it's like oh, he's like you're the one as he gets thrown away. Um, I also love. Oh, I love that Tanaka. He's obviously got some some chrome himself. Of course, everyone. He, he's got the um, the the punching style that Katsuo has as well. Like he's yeah. got the same. I uh, love that little detail. It's great. Well, he Katsuo probably stole it from his dad. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that's yeah, a cool. Got, that's a cool callback. Yeah, and to tie I, it in, the fact that he's then got these hands that open up and have like all these little needles in them. Like, yeah, that's that's weird as fuck. But cool. 
Yeah, and again, another super cool, like, not an unassuming totally kind of enemy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's also telling that when you see someone like um, Maine, he's got, like, guns in his arms, he's got, like, these giant blades and stuff, but you're not expecting these very simple little weapons in Tanaka. Yeah. That would just be, they just add that little bit of an edge to a fight. They don't have to be the, the nuclear option that Maine has. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the balance between, because, you know, they talk about how your body has to keep up with the metal, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like as far as he can go with, with what he's got. Mm. And that's that's like kind of like all he needs, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it was amazing. You know, that's, that's corpo tech for you. Like, yeah. Um, uh, and I'm wondering, because they back, managed to knock him down. They just like smack him into the ground, which looks amazing. <laughs> uh, but he, they... A needle hits Kurosaki in the neck. And I'm yep. wondering, was he actually aiming for Kurosaki as well? I mean, he's fired off like several hundred needles. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if it was just like, I'm going to hit all of them, including Kurosaki. Yeah. I know there's a thing in Shadowrun. I don't know whether it's a thing in, in other cyberpunk games where you can have a smart link in your gun. And essentially, you, whoever you recognize as an ally, you can just spray a semi-automatic weapon and it will deliberately stop firing when it crosses over with one of your allies and then start firing again when it moves away. So you can just spray into an ally's area and not shoot them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's basically so you can just have these cool gunfights without having to worry about friendly fire. But it's also yeah. that element of, oh, my smartlink wasn't working as you shoot your ally in the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. But I'm wondering if it's something like that. Like he just turned the smart link off and went, yep, we're taking out Kurosaki as well. Yeah. Uh, possibly. Yeah. They don't really mention, I know this is like relatively early in the, the cyberpunk timeline. Yeah. Um, so maybe they don't really have that sort of tech yet, but. Well, let's... obviously not. Cause Kurosaki bites it. He dead. Yeah. But he's got that platinum trauma team coverage. He does. I love that they're surprised by that. Yeah. Like, why well, I think it's he? more he just to... Uh, yeah. I think it's more just to, to amp up... Uh, to reinforce, like, how important trauma team are and, like, yeah. you know, how dangerous they are and stuff like that again. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that means they got to get out of there. And they leg it. And that ends the episode. Yes. Also, there was some Mantis arms in this episode. I just remember Some Mantis arms? Yeah. Um, during his... Uh, during David's BD... When oh, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the scythe type thing that pops yeah. up. Yeah, which is a very yeah. iconic kind of weapon. I'm surprised they didn't use it more, if I'm being honest. Oh, is that a thing from the game? Uh, yeah, it was in, like, the okay. that very first cyberpunk trailer, like, way, way back. Sure, okay. Like, ages ago, yeah. Yep, yep, I remember that. <laughs> but I think the um, those biker dudes had mantis arms they as did. well. They did, yeah. Yeah. It's like a common element. And you do kind of recognize that's something that somebody else who we didn't like had. Yeah. It's like, I don't think we saw, I don't think Maine's got one. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't, I, it's weird that we didn't see more. That is yeah. my, my Yeah. I think we see more note. of them later on. Anyway, that's, uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, we do have to pick which character we would use as a player character or an NPC in our games. And I think we're going to be in, um, in, What's the word? Compar- not comparison. In um, agreement. Agreement. Or... Thank you. Yes, agreement <laughs> on this one. 
because uh, I'm picking Kurosaki. <sighs> yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I one step ahead of you. I thought you'd pick him as well, so I'm, I've altered my choice. Oh, oh you changed. Okay, who'd you pick? Uh, Tanaka. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's a good choice too. Yeah, why did you pick Tanaka? Because uh, he's the closest thing we've got to Katsuo at this point in this series. <laughs> okay, just for that, just for that punching fighting style, honestly. <laughs> sure, sure. But they he's... both have that same vibe. Um, well, we talked about it already, but they both have that vibe of like the not not dangerous looking, but is actually really dangerous, and I love yeah. that for both of them. Yeah, again. and he does make a good middling villain, like a, a good boss fight when you're not expecting a boss fight. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I, I like Kurosaki, obviously, um, but I like him as that completely amoral NPC, a little bit like Ripper Doc as well, but he's also that minor celebrity in your world where yeah. people will recognize him and people will notice when he's gone. So you have to kind of, you know, play it safe with him and you kind of got to do what he says sometimes. And sometimes he'll have jobs for you. And sometimes he'll be like, yes, and now you can sell your stuff off, but I'll sell information about you to the highest bidder as well, because that's what I do. Yeah. Um, so I don't think you can make him into a player character, but I think as an NPC, he's a really yeah, interesting one. Yeah, I think it, it works better that way. Um, same with Tanaka. Yeah. There was actually a moment at the end of this episode. Uh, I don't know if we'll have time to like fully get into it, but I remember when they were just running away, I was thinking, I was like looking at JK's body and I was thinking like the players want to loot that body. Yeah, oh, you yeah, know, they like definitely they, want to loot that body. They're leaving that body, but like, oh, the players yeah. want to just like sit there and loot it. They want but to you loot can't, it, so... with, with cyberware, it's like, it takes time. It's a whole thing. Yeah. You can't just... And the um... trauma team's coming. You can't, you don't have time Exactly. To you can't yeah. take the body with you because trauma team's coming after the body. Removing loot, the opportunities to loot um, villains and NPCs, players get so mad. They get so uh, mad. They do. I do it all the time. I always <laughs> like that you, you have time to grab one thing. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, like you know, like he's got a cool robe on, and he's got a staff, and you can see he's been using this ring to cast magic. You have time to grab one thing before the room collapses. What do you grab? Yep. And I then like they usually that, yeah. find some way around it. Like, oh, I'll teleport the body away. I'm like, no, you won't. Fuck, <laughs> fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that is it for us for this week. Um, thank you for listening. You can subscribe wherever podcasts are found, but Spotify and Podbean are the best. Uh, you can also leave us reviews on those places as well. And five-star reviews on Apple podcasts gets it out to more listeners. Uh, but really what is preferred is just coming back next week and listening to us again. Um, you can reach out on Instagram, which is at dndntvpod or chucking a Gmail at .com on the end of it to send emails. Technically on Twitter as well, but um, hey, by the time you listen to this, Twitter might not be a thing anymore. So uh, are we verified we'll, on Twitter? Well, no. Oh. <laughs> I know, but maybe, maybe we are by now. We're official. Who knows? Maybe we're Elon Musk. Who, who knows? Uh, anyway, uh, stay safe. Be kind to yourselves. Uh, Wesley crushed out there. And until next time, may all your hits be crits. Oh, and we're brought to you by Masters of Alchemy.